As a society, we often reduce our idea of culture to cuisine, language, entertainment, or politics, or we associate it solely with high culture like art and literature. Many of my homesteading friends also like to point out its connection with agriculture, but in its most fundamental expression, culture is how we share life together and what bonds us in a common way of life. That's what brought me together with a French priest thousands of miles away from home when I least expected it. That's what bonds me with all my closest friends who have Christ on the throne of their hearts. That's also why culture is the concluding principle of this book. When we live all the other principles well, Christ becomes the integrating reality of our lives and brings us into communion with fellow pilgrims who are building Christian culture in their own spheres of influence. Welcome back to the Love Good Podcast, everybody. That is a little excerpt from our principle number 10 in this art of being human, which is the principle of culture. This is also chapter 10 of Let Beauty Speak, the title of the book that I have recently released, as well as the course, the introductory course of Love Good Academy, our brand new formation platform available exclusively at lovegoodacademy.com. Everybody, my name is Jimmy Mitchell. It's a pleasure to welcome you to not only the final episode of season seven of the Love Good Podcast, but at least as far as we are concerned for now, the final episode of the Love Good Podcast. Yeah, that that was the big announcement. I'm not sure why I described it as exciting last week because it's actually quite sad. But I'll get more into what that means and what the podcast might look like down the road, if at all, as well as give you a sneak peek of everything that is coming down the pipeline with Love Good in the months and years ahead. It really is an incredibly exciting time, even if we are, and yes, this is official, retiring the podcast for now. God bless you guys. I'll be back in just a few moments as we dive into our 10th principle in the art of being human, culture. Well, nothing like starting the episode with uh, the big announcement, huh? I don't know how many of you guys saw that coming. I actually think many of you guys saw that coming. I, I couldn't help but push for a season seven of the podcast. What a beautiful number to end the Love Good podcast on. You can't beat that. Seven seasons going all the way back to the fall, I think August. Maybe, you know, if I'm remembering this correctly, we began recording in August of 2017. Our first episode released, I think, sometime in late October. This was the first year that we had Love Good Apprentices living, praying, and working together in Nashville. This was also the season where we brought on many incredible artists like Drew Holcomb and countless others. I mean, just incredible conversations with some of the biggest thought leaders, artists, and I think shakers and movers, not only in Nashville, but beyond. And so it is a little bittersweet to now be landing the plane on the Love Good podcast as we land the plane on this real beautiful introduction to Let Beauty Speak, and frankly, everything that is now, uh, in some ways, summed up by this idea of Love Good Academy. So Love Good obviously began producing music, publishing books, commissioning artwork, and we're still doing a lot of those things. But initially, back in the summer of 2013, we were kind of a glorified CD of the month club. That's the easiest way of saying it. Well, no one really listens to CDs anymore. I don't even hardly have a CD player myself. And the reality is, more and more, we, we realize that Love Good is a philosophical movement. 
It's a movement of people, Christians specifically, seeking to evangelize culture through beauty and very much inspired by artists who are doing it through their music. And now all of us, more than ever, are doing it with our lives. And that's what Love Good is all about. That's the movement that we have been really uh, inviting people into now for over eight years. And so it really is an exciting time. And as I dive into just a few of the key concepts in chapter 10 of Let Beauty Speak, principle number 10 of culture, uh, just think about what it looks like for all of us to continue banding together from this point forward in the rebuilding of Christian civilization, in the rebuilding of a truly Christ-centered society. And this, of course, begins with our lives, it begins with our homes, it begins with our families, our communities, our workplaces, and ultimately it will impact the culture as well. For those who are following along with the book, I'm beginning here on page 177. And I talk initially about some of the most incredible experiences I ever had in Europe, which I am apt to do, especially in the writing of this book. For some reason, as I was pondering and reflecting and preparing the writing of many of these chapters, so many of the stories that came out of that process of prayer and preparation uh, really can almost all be dated back to 2006, 2007. Those were incredibly formative years for me, where I did a lot of traveling abroad, studying abroad, missionary work abroad. And in this particular chapter, I open up about an experience I had in the beautiful uh, cathedral of Notre Dame there in Paris, France, a cathedral that sadly burned down only a few years ago. And that for me was a radical encounter uh, with the risen Lord. I, I was kind of traveling alone, right? I had five-day weekends. I only had class on Mondays and Tuesdays, so I had five-day weekends while studying abroad in London to travel. I, I would hop on Ryanair and EasyJet, all these cheap and cheerful airlines, as we call them, and I would travel all over Europe. I would often end up in these major, beautiful cities like Paris and Edinburgh and Berlin, Rome. I would always get there a few days before all of my friends, and then they would catch up with me because they had like real schedules with classes every day of the week. Because I was studying philosophy, a lot of my homework or a lot of my classwork even was spent doing independent study. And so that being said, I ended up in Paris several days. This was probably September of 2006, several days before my friends got there, which meant I was kind of traveling alone in a city whose language and culture I really didn't know. And I just did a lot of walking. You know, I obviously went up to the Eiffel Tower and Sacre Coeur and uh, this incredible apparition site of Our Lady of the Miraculous Medal. Uh, by the way, I'm not really sure I just pronounced Sacre Coeur quite quite good enough. Uh, my French accent is miserable, so I'll just stop there. But I had a beautiful couple of days. I went to the Louvre. At, at one point, I remember being so kind of bored, and ah, bored is not the right word, lonely, that I found these uh, group of college students from Mexico. And because I, I knew Spanish, I just totally struck up a friendship with them. Uh, but that just goes to show you, in the line waiting to get into the Louvre, there I am hanging out with these new Mexican friends of mine, because I, there was no chance of me befriending anybody who spoke French. And so that being said, I, in a, a real moment of longing, longing for family, for friends, for communion, ultimately, I walked into this beautiful cathedral of Notre Dame. And sure enough, I had this real desire to go to confession. For those who aren't Catholic, this is where we like to sit down and confess all of our sins to a priest who's there in the person of Jesus Christ. And so I didn't really hesitate. 
I walked into the cathedral and I desperately looked for a priest who could speak English. And sure enough, there were several confessionals set up, and one of them had a little, probably not American flag, but little UK flag, which was always the symbol for I speak English. And I walk in there, and I will never forget this priest. I even remember his name, Father Bernard Gillebert, an incredibly holy, kind, humble Jesuit priest who for an hour listened to my confession and then just gave me some sound spiritual advice about prayer, about vocation. And he could kind of tell that I was roughing it. I think I had been surviving on peanut butter and pita bread for a few days at that point. And so he invited me to stick around for lunch with you know, him and a bunch of his uh, brother Jesuits there who lived and ministered uh, at the beautiful Notre Dame Cathedral. And so I obviously jumped on this opportunity. Next thing I know, I'm sitting down to what is surely one of the finest French meals I've ever had. Well, the finest I've ever had. Uh, and frankly, it, it probably will be forever one of the greatest memories I've ever had in France because I suddenly felt at home. Again, not because I knew the language and certainly not because I knew the culture or even the cuisine all that well, but because there was a common way of life. There was a common love, a, a common sort of integrating principle both in my heart and in the hearts of all of these Jesuit priests that I was there suddenly sharing a meal with. And it taught me something very powerful about culture. I mean, there I was in one of the most culturally rich cities on planet Earth. I mean, all of the history, all of the incredible art uh, and political movements, uh, not to mention architecture and just sheer beauty of a city like Paris. And suddenly it was in this moment where I was profoundly sharing not only a meal, uh, but a common love, namely Jesus Christ, that I felt most at home. And I think this is what's so powerful. We forget that Christ must be the integrating principle of our lives in order to become the integrating principle of our culture. That's what it means to build a Christian culture. And what I find so sad is that you, you see this all over the world. I certainly see it in our American context, but in other parts of the world as well. People are averse to their own heritage. More and more, it's like people are trying to overcome their great cultural traditions. They're trying to, to overhaul their institutions, things that really helped shape Western civilization as we know it. Pope Benedict XVI, he says that this mindset is, is deeply unhealthy. And he says that it eventually leads to a flight from one's own heritage. And he goes on to say, and I quote, here we noticed a self-hatred in the Western world that is strange and that can be considered pathological. Yes, the West is making a praiseworthy attempt to be completely open to understanding foreign values, but it no longer loves itself. From now on, it sees its own history, in it only what is blameworthy and destructive, whereas it is no longer capable of perceiving what is great and pure. End quote. G.K. Chesterton puts it like this. He says that in history, there is no revolution that is not a restoration. He goes on to say that all the men in history who have really done anything with the future have had their eyes fixed upon the past. And frankly, I couldn't agree more. Really, at this point in church history, and the history of Western civilization for that matter, we need a renewed appreciation for the beauty of our heritage. This is especially true amongst young Catholics and other Christians steeped in liturgy and tradition, 
Before we can look forward with hope, we have to love everything true and good and beautiful about our past. And we've also got to know the culture in which we find ourselves and love it passionately enough to claim it for Christ, right? So it's not enough to just flee our civilization and hole up in a cave or, you know, sort of homestead our way uh, into our own little utopia. And trust me, I love my friends who homestead. Don't get me wrong. Many of them actually live close to pretty major cities, and many of them make the constant point that even St. Augustine talks about the city of God, right, as, a, as a, an important symbol for heaven and the kind of kingdom that we all long for deep in our hearts. But my point is this, that we're living in a time where we can't just run away. It, it doesn't take much study of history to realize that, especially over the last hundred years, it never worked to just run away. I mean, think back to even the 16th century when we had the beginnings of the Protestant Reformation. Let's just look at England, for example. All over that city, there were Cistercian monasteries, for example. And many of them thought, okay, well, we're not going to sign this oath of allegiance to King Henry VIII. We're going to continue to have our loyalty and allegiance to Rome. We're not going to in any way deny our Catholic faith but we're just going to keep to ourselves, and we're going to keep doing what monks do. We're going to pray, and we're going to eat, and we're going to work, and we're going to lift up our sacrifice of praise every day. And sure enough, what did Henry VIII do? He did not leave them alone. He dissolved their monasteries, and in many cases, hung, drew, and quartered them in very public places like Tyburn. So what does it look like for us in these times, which are very different, but in many ways uh, hostile? hostile to faith, hostile to the church, rather than keeping to ourselves and minding our own business, how do we engage our culture and transform it from the inside out? That is ultimately what love good is all about, and I believe it's what the church is all about in these times. We are indeed living through a supertide moment. Think about this. An unprecedented 26% of Americans claim no religious affiliation at all. Right? These are the famous nuns, N-O-N-E-S, as we call them. Most recently, the fertility rate in America has fallen to 1.64. That's the lowest it's been since the Great Depression. Currently, one-third of American children are growing up in homes without their biological fathers. We could talk about abortion, which has taken 62 million lives in America since its legalization in 1973. That's more than 18% of an entire generation. And this is to say nothing of the constant indoctrination taking place in our schools, the widespread confusion with gender ideology, or even the leadership crisis within the church herself. There's a lot of noise, and there's a lot of confusion in our world. When you think back to the burning of Notre Dame back in 2019, you know, this was 856 years after its initial construction began, it seems to me like you know, less prophetic and more reflective of where we are as a post-Christian culture. It seems to me that actually we haven't had a truly Christian culture in the West for generations, and that shouldn't fill us with despair but fuel us with zeal. Like more than ever, it is time for the church to direct all of her energy to evangelization. And you know what? That doesn't necessarily mean that we're all becoming priests or monks or sisters or missionaries in far-off lands. In fact, what it means for all of us is a real fidelity to God's call on our lives and to constantly bring Christ more and more 
into the heart, the very center of our existence, so that He is the integrating principle of our lives. You know, how would you live differently if you knew that you were living through the most evangelical moment in your lifetime? Meaning, how would you begin living differently even today if you knew that there were more souls who were primed for redemption, who were ready for salvation, than you'll see at any other point in your life? What a beautiful and exciting call it is for all of us to seize this supertide moment, to allow the church through us to step into the gap, the, the wasteland of our post-Christian culture. And I want to close with just these final paragraphs that begin on page 189 in Let Beauty Speak. And there's a really fun quote from Theodore Roosevelt here, but it begins on 189. And I believe this is a really important way to close out not only this season of the podcast, not only this chapter, final chapter of the book, uh, but frankly, uh, this is a great way to, to close out the Love Good podcast after five years and seven seasons of near-weekly episodes. And again, this is page 189 in Let Beauty Speak. Where do we go from here? We must live these principles with hope and fervor, especially when the stakes are as high and the times are as dark as ours. We must give the world a glimpse of the kingdom of God by placing Christ on the throne of our hearts and ultimately of our families, communities, and culture. We must get into the arena of God's love and stay there. Imagine that it's April 23, 1910. We're back in Paris, France, hearing a speech from former U.S. President Theodore Roosevelt at one of the oldest universities in the world. The speech is entitled, Citizenship in a Republic, delivered soon after Roosevelt had finished a year-long hunting expedition in Central Africa. At one point, he offers an impassioned criticism against cynics who look down at men trying to make the world a better place. Then he delivers one of the most famous and inspirational messages of all time, since quoted by everyone from Nelson Mandela to Miley Cyrus. And I quote, It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither knew victory nor defeat. End quote. For many of us, our faces are marred by dust and sweat and blood. Our culture has left us confused and tired. Life has been full of tragedy and triumph. At times, we've been pushed to our limit. Perhaps in our exhaustion, we've forgotten the blessing of it all. Unlike some generations, we're aware of the growing hostility towards Christianity and have an opportunity to step into the fight and strive valiantly for all that is true, good, and beautiful. By reading through these principles and applying them to your life, you're already daring greatly as you cultivate the art of being human and pursue the heights of holiness. This book exists for no other reason than to empower you to live the fullness of your humanity in an imitation of Christ himself. Our culture is sick and dying because there aren't enough saints living among us. Together, we must be those saints. 
Through every season of your life, God invites you into ever greater intimacy with Him. Wherever you find yourself right now, full of great enthusiasms or simply exhausted by the realities of life, ask God for the courage and willingness to get into the arena of His love. Look for every opportunity to know at best the triumph of high achievement and at worst to fail while daring greatly. It's crucial that we step into the existential void and rouse our culture of noise from its sleep. The eternal salvation of souls depends on it. God forbid we miss this once-in-a-generation opportunity to show the world what it means to be human and storm heaven with an army of souls in our wake. Indeed, we were made for such a time as this. If not now, then when? If not us, then who? Once again, those are the final paragraphs of Let Beauty Speak, The Art of Being Human in a Culture of Noise, uh, my brand new book, my first ever book, available exclusively to Love Good patrons, and you can just simply go to lovegoodacademy.com to subscribe today. Not only do you get a copy of this book, you get a beautiful exclusive t-shirt that you cannot find anywhere else, and full access to our brand new formation platform where we have new videos, new courses releasing all the time. And here's the sneak peek of what's coming next. In March, we're going to be releasing a brand new course from Father Ryan Adorjan, and he's doing a deep dive into our first principle of wonder. And we have an incredible book by Romano Guardini. It's actually assembled by Sophia Institute Press, all about the virtues that lead to happiness, uh, the kind of virtues that ultimately lead us to God. But the whole book and really all of Father Ryan's course has this thread of wonder all throughout it, and what it looks like for all of us to be reborn in wonder, uh, which, by the way, is a beautiful little phrase from John Sr., uh, the author of a great book that I recommend at the end of my book uh, called The Restoration of Christian Culture. So that's in March, and then in June, we're releasing a course with Dr. Ryan Hanning, and that's called Habits for Lasting Happiness, and it'll go alongside his very beautiful book called The Willpower Advantage that he released through Ignatius Press. It must have been right at the beginning of the coronavirus outbreak. And so we've got so many incredible courses and books to come, vinyl records from artists as cool as Need to Breathe and Ben Rector, uh, all the way uh, to some of the, the finest new and upcoming up-and-coming singer-songwriters as well. And of course, in all of our higher-level uh, packages, you get coffee, uh, and just really amazing uh, opportunities to share Love Good and to share this movement with family and friends as well. God bless you guys. Thanks to all of you, especially who have been tuned in to the Love Good podcast since season one, episode one, all the way back in October of 2017. It feels strange to be signing off, but also a beautiful thing to see this, this new season of Love Good unfolding and to know that uh, so many of you have been on board now for nearly eight or nine years as patrons. And this is this incredible, new, exciting time for our movement, for our community, for this little family of love good, as we continue to forge forward in the evangelization of culture through beauty more than ever with our lives. And with that will come a true renewal of culture that we're all longing for, that this world is desperate for. So yes, let's be those saints and continue to hold each other in prayer. God bless you all. Maybe at some point in the next few months, I'll release a really fun, uh, I would like for it to be like a highlight episode, something that pulls some of the finest little moments of the Love Good podcast, dating all the way back to 2017. 
Hopefully that will come out sometime later this spring, spring of 2022. Uh, But again, in the meantime, keep me in your prayers. Know that I'm praying for you. God bless you all. And let's continue uh, to stand on the front lines of not only building a better culture, but evangelizing it from the inside out. Until next time, stay classy, be good, and let's be saints together.